BCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the Internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. And friends, thank you for joining us on Crosstalk today here on VCY America. Many across this world are astonished as to the very existence of Israel. I mean, with so many enemies and such a small landmass and more U.N. resolutions against her than any other nation, how can Israel even possibly exist? And yet Israel plays a central role in the Bible's narrative as well as in Bible prophecy. Well, our guest today has written that God's faithfulness to Israel is an incredible affirmation of his unconditional goodness. From God's promise to Abraham to today, we can see his hand continuing to guide and to protect the Jewish people. Joining us today, we welcome back Chris Katolka, the Assistant Director of North American Ministries at the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry and host of the Friends of Israel Today radio program, which airs over this network. He's a Bible teacher, a writer for Israel My Glory magazine, and the author of the brand new book, Israel Always. Chris, thanks for joining us today. Jim, great to be back on the program. Thanks for having me. Well, the story, Chris, of uh, of Israel is just really a fascinating one. Can, can you think of any other nation on this planet that has a story like that of Israel? There has never been a group of people that have been exiled from their land. Uh, and then after thousands of years, not only did they return to the land, but they maintained their identity. That's the big thing. They maintained their identity, and through the thousands of years, God, through his faithfulness, returned them to the land. But no, there's been no other group of people that have ever experienced that before in human history. And we've got a lot of un- information to unpack, so we're going to get right into it. Uh, in your book, Israel Always, uh, you take a look at Israel yesterday, uh, Israel today, and Israel tomorrow. And while we can't, uh, time just is not going to allow us to go into depth uh, in your book, uh, we want to give an overview today, and and so let me just ask you, Chris, where does the story of Israel begin? I mean, you actually call it a, a promise built on faith. How does it all begin? To, to me, the whole thing begins with Abraham. Uh, it, it, I always like to tell people, if you ever notice in the book of Genesis, from creation in Genesis 1 all the way to Genesis chapter 11, is a very long period of time, but it only it only takes up uh, 11 chapters. You know, mm-hmm. you would think that God would almost dedicate an entire book to the to creation and to the uh and to the creation of languages and the spread of people around the world. But it just happens in 11 chapters and I believe God does that on purpose because it's like a funnel that gets us right to this individual that God wants to focus on and his family, which is Abraham. And God in Genesis chapter 12 makes a promise to Abraham, a promise uh of the land of Israel. Uh, a promise of, of descendants, the Jewish people, and a promise of a multifaceted blessing. Uh, that actually is where we fit in as believers in the Lord Jesus, that one day through Abraham, all the families of the earth would be blessed in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. And so it plays a very important role to understand the promise, this unconditional promise. It was conditioned on nothing other than the fact that Abraham stepped out in faith and that one step that he took when he listened to God's call really set into motion how God would not only choose Israel and the Jewish people, but how God would choose Israel and the Jewish people for a purpose, and that is to really bring redemption and salvation to the world. So um, you point out these uh, three components in your book. You mentioned the land, the descendants, and a blessing. This was really more than just a promise, wasn't it? I mean, it was a contract uh, between the two. It was a actual, they, the Hebrew word is called a cutting of the covenant. They cut a covenant. And it's so fascinating, Jim, because when you go to Genesis 15, Abraham, a great man of faith, actually begins to doubt. He's wondering, God, is this really, uh, you know, are you really going to fulfill your promises to me? Because he looks around, he's definitely being blessed, he's being protected. He's in the land of Israel now in Genesis 15, in the land of Canaan. Uh, but he notices he doesn't have any heirs to his inheritance. He has no children. And so he begins to doubt God. And God says, I promise you I'm going to give you this land and fulfill this promise. And so he cuts the covenant by taking these animals um, and splitting them in half. And Abraham knows exactly what to do. If you read it, God says, get these particular animals. 
and uh, splits them in half, and uh, Abraham begins to do it, and then all of a sudden Abraham falls asleep, and it's God who walks through the pieces alone. And I always tell people this is an ancient mortgage contract. It's a mortgage. This is actually the way that people would buy land from one another in the ancient day. They would take animals, they would cut them in half, they would link arms or stand next to one another and walk through the pieces together. Wow. And ultimately, the, the, the vision was, hey, if you don't fulfill this promise that you're making to give me the money or give me the land, then you're going to end up like that animal that got split in half. And so it's a curse, actually, what they were doing. So God actually put a curse on his name if he doesn't fulfill the promise that wow. he made to Abraham. Chris Katolka with us here today from the Friends of Israel Ministry and uh, author of the book, Israel Always. Uh, Chris, uh, as we mentioned, uh, this was a covenant given to Abraham. Now, we hear a lot today about the Abrahamic faith. So if this was a promise to Abraham, then don't all of these faiths qualify as falling under this covenant? No, you know what? Right after Abraham, that's where the division, you know, that's where we begin to have an issue specifically between the Muslim faith and the Jew, Judeo-Christian faith. For, for Jew, Jewish people and Christians, we believe that the, the line inheritance ran through the son of Abraham, who is Isaac. Uh, but for, uh, for the Muslim faith, uh, they believe it was Ishmael. So uh, technically, there's a massive divergence that takes place right there in that very moment, um, right after the, uh, you know, Abraham uh, passes his inheritance along. That inheritance of that promise of the land, descendants, and blessing, we believe biblically goes to Isaac and in his descendants, Jacob and the sons of Israel, and which that, is the line that Jesus is in. And that's very important to, to make that distinction here, because we see often in Scripture, you know, the, uh, Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, and it's that distinction that Scripture itself makes, and to be biblical, th- that's what we need to look at, that lineage. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. It plays an incredibly important role, because actually, if you read the Old Testament and into the New Testament, you're going to see that all of it has to do with Abraham's family mm-hmm. in the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I actually love it when Jesus is born in, in Luke chapter 1, um, and Zechariah is, is, uh, is singing a praise to the Lord. He, he sees what's going on, John the Baptist coming, uh, his son he sees Jesus, the Messiah, coming, and he says, you have remembered your covenant, your oath of old with Abraham, our father Abraham. And so it's this, even in the New Testament, there was this understanding that Jesus is coming to earth uh, as the Messiah was a fulfillment of what was promised back uh, in Genesis chapter 12. Okay, so again, we're talking about the land, the descendants, and a blessing. And you refer in your book to the promised land as the center of the world. And that's a that's rather an intriguing thought. How, how do you arrive at such a conclusion? Well, you know, I, I, that's not my opinion. That actually, uh, there's a very famous map called the Bunting Map that I mentioned in the book that highlights it's a, it's a cloverleaf map. And uh, it's shaped like a cloverleaf. And it has Europe on one side and Asia, the continent of Asia on the other, and Africa down below it. But the center of the clover leaf is actually Jerusalem, uh, because it was the center of the world. I believe it's still the center of the world today, but especially in the ancient days, it was the center of the world. Ezekiel chapter 5, even God says, Jerusalem, I place you at the center of the nation. And the reason it's so important is because when God called Abraham to Israel, when he called him to the land, he didn't just pick a place, Jim. He didn't just go, you know, spin the globe and put his finger wherever he wanted to, you know, hopefully land uh, Abraham. He chose Israel because it is the land bridge that connects uh, the African continent to the Asian continent to the European continent. And so the whole world already was traveling through the land that God chose for Abraham to go to. And so instead of sending missionaries out to the world, God chose Abraham and his descendants to remain obedient in the land of Israel, and God would bring the world to him. And that's exactly why he chose the land. And I believe it is still, for that reason, a very, very important piece of land. Interesting. You write about layers of civilizations. Could you explain that? Yeah, one of the reasons, again, why uh, Israel is the center of the world, uh, there's these things called tells. If you ever go to Israel, uh, or maybe you've been, Jim, or some of your listeners, uh, you've visited a tell. Uh, a tell is, is a hill. It almost looks like a, a fake hill, 
and it actually has layers of civilization buried within the hill. Uh, Tel Megiddo it has the most civilizations in it. Uh, Tel Megiddo is, has 26 layers of civilization. And what would happen in the ancient days, uh, Jim, is uh, uh, someone would build a city like Megiddo, and then someone would want to conquer that city. They'd come in, they would uh, burn the city down, exile the people, and then they'd build on top. And then another people group would come in and burn that one down and then build on top and then burn that one down. And that happened 26 times at Megiddo. And so archaeologists are able to go in and count the burn levels that are there. And the reason that's been burned down so many times is because uh, the major highway system that ran through Israel in the ancient world that connected Africa to Asia to Europe ran right through Megiddo. And Megiddo was the most narrow point of that ancient highway system. And so in Israel, if you controlled Megiddo, you controlled world trade. And so that is the reason why so many people have been fighting over that land for so long. And in fact, there'll be a future biblical battle that takes place there. Uh, you might know it as Armageddon, but in the book of Revelation, the actual word there is Har Megiddo, which means the mountain of Megiddo. And so there's been a lot of battles in that area, and uh, there's one that's yet to come as well. But it shows the significance and importance of Israel tangibly to look at these hells, these hills that have civilizations buried under them. Chris uh, Katalka with us here. And uh, Chris, you indicate on page 38 in your book that there are four dates that have radically enhanced the way that you read and interpret the Bible. Uh, these are historical events associated with those dates. Could you just tell us what those dates are and why they're so significant? Yeah, I feel like I'm getting a quiz right now. I like it. So the first date, <laughs> the first date is 722 B.C. It's an incredibly important date because that is the date when the Assyrians came in and captured and took away uh, the northern ten tribes of Israel. That's going to play a major role in Israel's history, especially for the future when we get to Jesus and the way he interacts with the Samaritans and things of that nature. So the northern ten tribes of Israel get carried away in 722 by the, by the Assyrians. Uh, Judah in 586 B.C., is exiled, and the temple in Jerusalem is destroyed. And I can't tell you how significant that moment is for Israel and the Jewish people in the Old Testament. It really was the darkest moment of their history uh, when the Babylonians under Nebuchadnezzar came in and destroyed that. That's actually going to play out even into the days of Jesus as well, this idea of exile being scattered around the world as Jewish people move into other countries. And so the Babylonians do that in 586 B.C. So those are two very, very, very important dates. There's also another big one, which is 70 A.D., when the temple was destroyed. Uh, that plays a major role as well. So when the temple later on is rebuilt and destroyed, that one's ultimately uh, destroyed and uh, plays a major role. But all of that has a, all those dates are kind of monikers for how to understand what's going on in the scriptures, why the prophets are even writing. The prophets are writing during these times, Jim, when the nations are coming in, and these dates play major roles in how we read and understand the Bible. Friends, we're going to take a quick break. Chris Katolka with us today put out a brand new book entitled Israel Always. Just really fascinating, looking at Israel's past and present and then also the future as well. And uh, we'll be sharing with you how you can obtain a copy of this book. So stay with us. We'll be back in just one minute. You're listening to Crosstalk. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, author and seminar speaker with the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, what's involved in being created in the image of God? Chris, being in the image of God is more than just being a two-legged, two-armed creature. There's some sense in which God uses a human form to express his own nature, like the arm of the Lord, but God does not have a physical body. I suspect that the image of God deals with our spiritual nature, our appreciation for beauty and ability to love, and our ability to love and reject God, and of course, our eternal soul. A recent research project identified perhaps another aspect. It was shown that those people who love others and provide emotional support for others live longer themselves. These are godly qualities, and maybe that's part of being the image of God. If we live like that, it's beneficial. You see, Chris, even the way we act, it all goes back to Genesis. Thanks, Dr. Morris. For more on creation, visit our website at www.icr.org. 
friends, the clock moves faster than the pages turn of the book Israel Always. Author Christopher Katolka with us here today. And uh, it uh, is a fascinating book. And as uh, talking with Chris, he said, if, if you have uh, planning to go to Israel or you're planning on coming back, Chris, you just said this is a great book to, to really uh, cement, <laughs> you know, what you've seen or what you're going to see in, in your mind. That's exactly right. You know, when you go to the Holy Land, Jim, you get over there and people say it's like a fire hydrant because you can be standing in one place and you can be learning about a Canaanite altar that was built 5,000 years ago and then an Israelite battle that happened 3,000 or so years ago. And then you're talking about the days of Jesus and then you're talking about a modern battle that happened with the Israeli army. And you can kind of go away going, what just happened here? Uh, So the book does a good job of layering that history. So when you walk into a place in Israel or you come back, you can go, oh, I remember these layers and where they fit in history as well. Well, friends, during this month of January 2023, our VCY bookstore is featuring Israel Always as a featured book of the month. And through January 31st, you can obtain a copy of Israel Always at 50% off. Now, the, the book just came out from the publisher, 1899, but through the end of this month, you can obtain it for just $9.49, plus any applicable tax and or shipping, vcy.com. You can go and find it there quickly, vcy.com, or by calling our bookstore, one 722 1-888-722-4829. Four eight two nine. Just as we're going into the break here, Chris, we talked about uh, significant dates. We mentioned seven twenty two uh, we all, BC. We also mentioned five eighty six BC. You mentioned seventy AD. There's one other one I'd like you to mention, and that's five thirty eight BC. I skipped right over it, and I apologize about that. Yeah, five thirty eight BC is a very major moment when God used Cyrus the Great, the king of Persia to return the Jewish people to the land of Israel uh, in 538. So after they were exiled in 586, by 538, the Babylonian Empire falls away, the one that destroyed Jerusalem and ruined the temple, uh, uh, destroyed the temple. And then by 538, Cyrus, a new king of the bigger empire, Persia, permits the Jewish people to return home and to begin rebuilding. That's very important and sets up the narratives for Ezra Nehemiah, and prophets like Daniel, Malachi, uh, to, to begin to speak, and Zechariah to begin to speak into uh, those, those uh, uh, particular um, uh, Jewish people who are returning. And, and forgive me, not Daniel, but Malachi, uh, definitely an important prophet as well, and Zechariah. Well, you mentioned about even the prophets that were, that, you know, giving the warnings, even as the warning of the prophet, you know, the, the exiles to come. Jeremiah warned the people and to repent, repent, return, stop being backslidden here, you know, to come about. And yet the people would not hear. They would not listen. And, and as a result, we did see uh, the Babylonians come on in and, and the Jews were taken into exile. This was a, a very difficult time. What, what was Jewish life like in the exile? You know, I detail in that book in a section called The Diaspora, where I talk about the various different groups of Jewish people that have come about because of Jewish people being spread throughout the world. Those are called Diaspora Jews. So if a Jewish person does not live in the land of Israel, they're Diaspora Jews. And so especially after uh, one of the big exiles, which happened in 135 A.D., a big blow to the Jewish people in the land of Israel. Uh, they started to really begin to scatter. Many went into areas of Germany. Uh, that's where we get a group of Jewish people called Ashkenazi Jews. Ashkenazi Jews are uh, people who, who settled uh, in, the, in, the, in the German area in, in that time and really built a life for themselves. They actually begin to develop their own culture while they're out there. One of the aspects of their culture is the, the Yiddish language, in fact, a lot of Ashkenazi culture that developed over thousands of years uh, finds its way here in America, since most American Jews are Ashkenazi Jews. So when you eat a bagel, that's Ashkenazi. When you hear a Jewish person say, oy vey, that's very Ashkenazi. When the, the very Jewish elements of life that you see in America are definitely Ashkenazi. There were other Jews that moved and, uh, and, and were spread as far as Spain. Those Jewish people become... Um, become uh, what's called Sephardic Jewish people. And the Sephardic Jewish people play a major role in Spanish history. 
Um, and so that's, that's important as well. They have their own language called the Ladino language, which is a mixture of Hebrew and Spanish. Yiddish uh, from the Ashkenazi is a spread of, of Germanic and uh, Eastern European Slavic languages and Hebrew as well. It's a very fascinating study on the languages hmm. that they created. Um, they actually, because of 1492, if you remember, as Columbus is coming over to America, well, Jewish people were actually kicked out of the land of Spain at that time, Sephardic Jewish people, and they find themselves in areas of North Africa and even into some areas of the Middle East. Uh, there's another group of Jewish people called Mizrahi Jews. These are Jewish people that lived in the Middle East, uh, like, uh, um, like Yemen, uh, Iraq, Iran. These, these become Mizrahi Jews. Um, and then, of course, there have always been a presence of Jewish people living in the land of Israel as well. So the, you can see that over several, you know, hundred centuries, the Jewish people scattered around the world developed their own culture, their own languages, their own food that fit within a kosher diet and things of that nature. Hmm. Um, and so that's very important to understand what happened to the Jewish people as they were spread throughout the world. Chapter 4 of your book takes us between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, what of significant happens during that time? As scripture doesn't record it. Uh, that's a whole other program, Jim, uh, when we talk <laughs> about that. The in, in between the Testaments, I'll tell you one of the big ones is, uh, is uh, a moment in history that defines the Jewish people and even defines the world that Jesus enters into, and that's when Antiochus IV Epiphanes um, in 167 B.C., that's in between the book of Malachi and Matthew, an event that's not recorded in the Bible. Uh, he actually uh, uh, um, puts to shame the temple by, by slaughtering a, you know, a pig in the temple. Um, he desecrates the temple, and he tries to desecrate the people. He wants the Jewish people to stop being Jewish, and he wants them to be Greek like he is. And in doing so, he commanded they stop reading the Torah, no more circumcisions, no more Sabbath, no more kosher eating. They needed to be Greek. And so what happens is uh, eventually a group, a band of Jewish people from the family of Mattathias, you might know them as the Maccabees, fought against the Greeks and defeated them and rededicated the temple that was desecrated by Antiochus and gave it back to the Lord. And that day is known as Hanukkah. And Hanukkah is a celebration of independence and sovereignty and God's miracle in helping the Jewish people during a very dark time. In fact, you know, at Friends of Israel, we like to say there wouldn't be a Christmas without Hanukkah because the Jewish people were on a fast track to being eliminated. But it was Mattathias, an old elderly priest from Modi'in, Israel, who stood up against the Greek king and said, I would rather die then, then abandoned the law of my ancestors yeah. and my God and fought against Antiochus and won the battle and won independence. And so that is a major story, because when you get to John chapter 9, Jim, who's celebrating Hanukkah? Jesus is yeah. celebrating yeah. Hanukkah. So that plays an important role of how what happened in between Malachi and Matthew develops into the world that Jesus would step into. Um, Chris, you're right. That's a that's a program all by itself. <laughs> and and uh, but uh, here, as we, as we just kind of give an overview of your book, friends, uh, you will see that it gets into Israel past and then the Israel present and Israel future as well. And Chris, I'm actually going to advance many many centuries because prior to Israel being formed as a nation, there was a, a very dark time known as the Holocaust. And today, there are those who insist the Holocaust never occurred. They're uh, called Holocaust deniers. But this is an event that really did happen. What brought about this Holocaust, and how tragic was it? You know, we talked about the diaspora, Jim, of the Jewish people who had moved to Germany. They became Ashkenazi Jews. They were actually the ones who suffered the most during the Holocaust. Uh, and that's because they've been facing, Jewish people have been facing anti-Semitism all along the way. In fact, if, in that story of the diaspora, of the Jewish people getting spread, I talk about the fact that every time they would move from one place to another, it isn't because they wanted to move. It's because they were forced to move. So they had a, ha they had a life in Germany, but all of a sudden there was too much, uh, you know, in the ancient, uh, a long time ago, there, the, the Ashkenazi Jews had a life in Germany, but then all of a sudden what happens is there's persecution and they were forced to go into Russia and Poland. And that's the spread of how they move up to Warsaw and those places. The problem is, 
anti-Semitism, Jim, has been following the Jewish people wherever they go. Uh, so how did the Holocaust come about? It's been brewing for a very, very long time uh, leading up to the Holocaust. There, we, there were already movements in action of people who thought that they, in, in Eastern Europe, they thought even before Hitler was on the scene, they thought that the Jewish people should not be a part of their culture. That, that, that actually there were people in Eastern Europe that thought whatever property the Jewish people have, I can just take it to them because they're Jews and, and uh, they're lower than us. This is even before Hitler appeared on mm-hmm. the scene. So when Hitler entered in and he started blaming the Jews for the problems of the German people, uh, it was very easy to get not, uh, 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 the attention of individuals because they already had that anti-Semitism built into them. Anti-Semitism is the hatred of the Jewish people. And, Jim, it's been around, and it goes back to the days, the moment that God chose Abraham. It's satanic. And so what produced the Holocaust? Well, of course, Satan did that. Satan was acting. But the bigger issue is that there was already a uh, 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 fervor for anti-Semitism that had gone back long before Hitler even spoke a word. And sadly, we seem to be on that same cycle when we look at what's happening in university campuses today. I mean, this, this growing anti-Semitism is, is, is going to shocking, shocking levels here once again. Exactly. I actually have a colleague. Uh, he's my boss. He's a Jewish believer. His name is Steve Herzig. And some of the things that he's been hearing come out of celebrities' mouths recently, like Kanye West. He says, I never thought I would hear the words that my grandparents heard in Eastern Europe. And so, you know, that is the kind of feeling that Jewish people have right now as anti-Semitism continues to rise. And so the slaughter of six million Jews, uh, as for that reason, Chris, we hear those words never again having great significance to them. A hundred percent. And that's why people fight against anti-Semitism. That's why Friends of Israel fights against anti-Semitism all the time to remind people that the Jewish people are God's chosen people. Uh, We're just a minute from the break, and we're going to be uh, looking at uh, uh, Israel in even more modern times uh, uh, and how she came to be a nation. But, uh, Chris, I know here before the break, if you can get a word in, you've got a magazine that uh, your ministry puts out entitled Israel, My Glory. And uh, just give us a word about the magazine, how our listeners can obtain it. I would love your listeners to go to israelmyglory.org forward slash subscribe, and they can get a one-year free subscription of our award-winning Christian magazine that teaches all about Israel and the Jewish people from a biblical perspective. It talks about Christian trends on support for Israel. It stands up and highlights anti-Semitism and church persecution or Christian persecution that's going on. It's a free magazine for one year if no one's ever subscribed before. And I have a phone number, too, Jim, if people would like to reach out is 800-257-7843, and that will get them a one-year free subscription to Israel, my glory. Wow, tremendous. Again, friends, for that one-year free subscription, uh, you can go to israelmyglory.org forward slash subscribe, or you may call the toll-free number of 1-800-257-7843 and asked to be put on the list to receive Israel, my glory. Well, the book is available through the VCY Bookstore, one 4829 But friends, we've got a whole lot more information to share. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Crosstalk from the VCY American Network. VCY invites you to obtain an audio recording of the Gospel According to John as narrated by Brad Canterbury. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John's Gospel, presenting the words of Jesus, the way of salvation. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever... You can share this as a gift or for listening over and over on your daily commute. VCY America is making available this narrated Gospel of John on two CDs for a donation of $12. Call during business hours, 1-800-729-9829. That's 800-729-9829. But these are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name.
Israel Always. Very fascinating title, but it's true. God laid down a covenant with Abraham and uh, made a covenant, a promise to Abraham that was an everlasting, not just was, but is an everlasting covenant uh, pertaining to the land, to the descendants, and also a blessing of which you and I, uh, believers in Christ, uh, are are recipients of that blessing as well. We're talking about this book, Israel Always, and just a reminder, it is available at half off this month of January at the VCY Bookstore, uh, just uh, $9.49 plus any applicable tax or shipping. Uh, and uh, you can obtain it by going to vcy.com, vcy.com, or by calling our bookstore, one 722 4829 We'll tell you more later as well. We'll give you the uh, number again to order Israel, My Glory. Uh, Chris, uh, Wow, we need two, three, four, five, eight hours here. But let's let's advance to more modern times. What are some important names we should know as it pertains to the founding of Israel as we know it today? Yeah, you know, one that really stands out that I think we could focus on is an individual named Theodore Herzl. Uh, Theodore Herzl played a major role in the reestablishment of the modern state of Israel that you see today. In fact, you know, we were talking about the Holocaust and about how uh, people were already showing anti-Semitism before Hitler was even born. Well, I can tell you, uh, uh, um, Theodor Herzl was writing um, in, the, in the late 1800s, and one of the reasons he, as a Jewish person, a secular Jewish person, actually, one of the reasons that he said there has to be a Jewish state is because he saw the way that a Jewish person was treated uh, by the French government. His name was Alfred Dreyfus. And, and he saw the way that the French people were treating. He was actually a general in the army who was innocent. And uh, the way that the French people treated them, they said death. He saw signs that said death to the Jews. And even in the late 1800s, he was saying, we've got to get out of here. This is bad for us. And so he went on a mission to help establish a Jewish state in their ancient homeland. And, uh, and he never saw that actually happen. But he has an interesting saying. Uh, where he actually, he, after he met with a group of people called the First Zionist Congress in Basel, Switzerland, he said, definitely there will be a Jewish state, um, in, there will be a Jewish state within 50 years. And it was almost 50 years to the time that he said that, that uh, in 1947, the U.N., uh, gave the Jewish people the mm. right to establish the state of Israel. My. Well, friends, you'll find other names in the book as well, but Theodore Herzl, one very, very important name. Uh, Israel's rebirth really was a fulfillment of Bible prophecy that came about, uh, became a nation, 1948. Uh, Chris, did dispersed people start coming back immediately? You know, they were already coming back. That was the important thing, is that Theodore Herzl was influential. Uh, there were already Jewish people that were migrating back to uh, uh, um, the area when it was under the control of the Turks. And so that's very important. So Jewish people are already going back. Uh, but Theodore Herzl was one, there was a Zionist movement. There were Jewish people who were looking forward to the, uh, uh, to the reestablishment of a Jewish state. And so there were already movements happening. Uh, one of them was definitely uh, the guy who helped reestablish the state of uh, the, the language. Um, and so uh, his name's Eliezer Ben Yehuda. He had moved back even more before Israel became a nation. So there was already a, a large population of Jewish people living in that area before Israel even became a state. It's hard to talk about Israel without mentioning a very significant war, 1967, the Six-Day War. What happened is truly remarkable. Yeah, I'm telling you, you want to talk about the odds being against the Jewish people, uh, go back to the wars of Israel, 1948, the Independence War, 1967, the Six-Day War, 1973, uh, the, the Yom Kippur War. They were always outnumbered 10 to 1. Um, and definitely as, the, as time passed between 1948 and 1973, uh, of course Israel's army became more advanced. Um, but 1967, uh, the entire Arab world was surrounding them, and they were willing to push Israel into the sea, and they wanted to. Fortunately, Israel acted first um, out of defense, um, but that saved them because they would have literally been pushed into the Mediterranean Sea with all of the nations surrounding them that wanted to push them and get them out of the land of Israel. 
1967 plays a major role, not even in, uh, in showing the world that Israel was willing to defend itself and could defend itself, but also it played a major role in the, in the Israel that we see today. So that when you come to Israel with me one day, you're going to see a Jerusalem and a West Bank. You'll go into the areas of Judea and Samaria. Those were once modern-day Jordan, but now it's under large areas of it are under the control of the Israeli people, the Israeli government. The Golan Heights, which was once under the control of Syria, is now under the control of Israel. Uh, and before, they even took, in 1967, all the way down um, uh, to, uh, into the Sinai Peninsula. They returned all of that land to Egypt in peace for a peace treaty. Mm. But you can, see, you can see how the 1967 war, they thought, okay, we're going to push all, uh, we're going to use, uh, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, all these Arab nations will ally themselves with one another and push Israel to, into the sea, but ultimately God had a different plan. Amen. And uh, that's in fulfillment of his promise. That's exactly right. And it expanded and gave Jerusalem to uh, the, con- uh, the Israelis the control of Jerusalem. The Jerusalem that you see today, the old city, uh, as you walk around the old city, was not a part of Israel between 1948 and 1967. And so when you enjoy seeing the old city, going to the Western Wall, going to the Mount of Olives, all of that is because of the war that happened in 1967. And so as we also advance toward today, we see this growing worldwide movement against Israel, uh, we, we see hostility, we see the, the BDS movement, the boycott, divest, sanction movement. It seems the Middle East, Israel in particular, always in conflict. Why is that? Yeah, you know, I, I'll tell you, it's, it's biblical and it's spiritual, because I always like to say, uh, there's, there, God, uh, uh, Satan uh, ultimately hates what God loves. Uh, Satan is constantly attacking believers, attacking the Church for the mission that we're on, to share the good news of the Lord Jesus. Uh, but he's also attacking Israel. He's been attacking Israel from the very beginning, uh, because God has a plan for Israel that is connected with the ultimate plan of salvation, and, and how God's uh, uh, plan for Israel affects not, uh, not, not only uh, Christians in the future, but ultimately the world, that, that God has a plan for Israel and the Jewish people. That means that Satan will do anything to stop uh, uh, God's plan. And so, you know, I, there's a lot of different nuances all the time, but it's been happening since the very beginning yeah. uh, that God, you know, uh, Satan has been attacking Israel, and we see it even today in, in a more nuanced way. The, the type of uh, uh, anti-Israel sentiment that you're seeing today, Jim, isn't like wars of the past, like 1948 and 1963 and 1973. Now it's more of uh, a war of, uh, of boycott, divestment, and sanctions, um, who can get to the media first to make Israel look bad, the way the media paints Israel. It's more a war of words and pictures mm-hmm. than it is an actual physical war. And what a slap in the face to Israel. I mean, when I think, and you document this in your book, too, the, the advancements that have come from Israel, how Israel is benefiting the world in areas like uh, pertaining to agriculture, technology, and health. I mean, th- Israel has really given us many advancements in this world. It's uh, always a funny thing to see somebody who wants to boycott, divest, and uh, sanction Israel when, they, when they're on their phone telling everybody how they want to boycott the very nation that helps make the phone that they're holding in their hand or the computer that they're typing on, hmm. um, or the medicine that they even take. You don't realize but how many—Israel uh, has one of the largest generic drug uh, uh, pharmaceutical companies in the world named Teva, so people don't even realize how many uh, drugs— are helping people around the world to just live yeah. basic maintenance drugs. Uh, and so to boycott those, uh, you know, uh, would be foolish. Uh, but they don't realize how much Israel has helped the world even today. Well, friends, you can uh, obtain the book and more information about Israel today. But I also want to take a look at Israel tomorrow. Uh, you indicate, Chris, that Israel has a place in Bible prophecy. What lies ahead for Israel? Yeah, uh, what lies ahead is a great, great hope. For Israel, God has a plan. As as Paul said in Romans chapter eleven, is God through with His people, with Israel? And He said in the most emphatic terms, "May it never be. It can't happen." In fact, He even uses this if-then statement, and He says, "You know, if reconciliation has come to the world because of the fact that Israel has rejected Jesus, that means that Jim, you and I have been reconciled to God through the work of Jesus Christ." Mm-hmm. As a Gentile, we have received uh, salvation um, because of the events that happened in the past. Well, Paul says that's only half the story. 
if, if God is rec- the business of reconciling right now, just you wait until they believe one day and they do see the Messiah and repent and turn, the nation of Israel. Then he says, that's the day when we will receive life from the dead, even greater salvation. We're, we haven't made it yet, Jim, and that's the whole point, is that Paul is trying to argue Israel plays a role in God's prophetic plan, and not just for Israel, but how God's going to use Israel to bring blessing to the whole world. Because I always like to remind people, the reason Israel does matter, the land does matter, it is important, Jesus is not coming back to America or Europe. He's coming, or South America or Africa. He's coming back. It's, we know exactly where he's coming, coming to Jerusalem on a, an area in Jerusalem called the Mount of Olives, mm. and his feet will touch down there, which means God values Israel, the Jewish people, the land, and how that all plays in to the one day, one day when, the, when the Prince of Peace returns to bring peace from the city of peace. That is incredibly important for how we anticipate God's kingdom to be set up on earth. Friends, there's so much more to share, but uh, we've given you perhaps a thumbnail sketch of what's in Israel Always, experiencing God's pursuit of you through His chosen people. The book is available as a book of the month at the VCY Bookstore through January 31st. You can obtain a copy of this at 50% off. Uh, the book just came out uh, at, at $18.99, but through this month, January 31, you can get it for $9.49 plus any applicable tax or shipping. It's available at vcy.com, vcy.com, or by calling one 722 I'd like to open our phone lines right now. Time is short, but we'll try and get a, a few calls in. We don't have time for sermons, but we do have time for a question uh, or two or a brief comment. Our number to crosstalk is 800-733-9829. That's one 800 733-9829. If you have a question for Chris on our topic today pertaining to Israel, uh, your calls are welcome, 800-733-9829. And the other number I'm going to give you is to the Friends of Israel that is offering a complimentary one-year subscription to their magazine entitled Israel My Glory. If you're intrigued by these kind of things we're talking about today, well, they are staying current with issues and matters that are going on uh, in Israel, and they'll talk about Bible prophecy. They'll talk about Israel past, Israel present, Israel future. Uh, uh, it's available by calling Israel My Glory at one eight hundred two five seven seventy eight forty three. That's eight hundred two five seven seven eight four three, or go to the website israelmyglory.org forward slash subscribe, and you can put your information there for a one year free subscription. Well, our lines are already packed out here, Chris, so we're going to have a lot of lot of uh, interaction here in our final segment. Praise the Lord. Okay. So, friend, we're just seconds from the break here, so uh, rather than interrupt a caller, we'll uh, take the break and we'll come right back to your calls here on Crosstalk. And again, the book is called Israel Always, and uh, you can reach out to the VCY bookstore. VCY.com will be the quickest. Uh, if you get a busy signal, just call them back later. They're available till 6 p.m. Central Time here this evening. 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Central, Saturday 10 to 4 at one 722 Back in just one minute with your calls. This is Crosstalk coming your way from VCY. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. In 2006, Ben Gavir was stopped by police trying to do what? Make an animal sacrifice over Passover on the Temple Mount. That was 2006. In 2017, Ben Gavir, as an attorney, represented returning to the Mount activist who also wanted to perform a Passover sacrifice on the Temple Mount. Well, guess what? Ben Gavir is now in charge of the police on the Temple Mount. Yes, he's in the Benjamin Netanyahu government. Folks, this is getting very interesting. And a group of people are now asking his permission to have an animal sacrifice this coming April on the Temple Mount. He's already tried doing it himself back in 2006. Represented a group in 2017. What do you think he'll say? It fits in with Bible prophecy. As the nation of Israel is said, according to the book of Daniel, we'll go back to animal sacrifice. Stay tuned.
Well, thank you for joining us on Crosstalk today here on VCY America. Chris Katolk is with us, uh, the author of the book Israel Always, but also with the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry and uh, their radio program, the Friends of Israel Today, that airs each Saturday uh, here on VCY America. Trust you are able to tune in for it. But we're taking your calls here today in this final segment. Monroe, Wisconsin, we have Mark calling. Mark, you're on the air. Yeah, um, I think uh, Israel My Glory is an excellent publication. Um, My comment is, uh, without trying to set dates or anything, uh, I think uh, Daniel 70... 70th week is right up at the brink of uh, the uh, end of the uh, church age. Hmm. Um, again, I'm not trying to set dates, but I think we're that close. Um, let me, let me have Chris, Chris comment on that. Thank you, Mark. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good uh, question, Mark, and I agree with you. No set dates. That's not what Jesus wanted us to do. That's not what God wanted us to do, is to set dates. But I always tell people, we live in the most unique times in the, in the course of church history. Uh, for the past 2,000 years, the Church never experienced the Jewish people as an independent Jewish state back in the land. And uh, for the first time in that long, we are witnesses, which I always think is just absolutely amazing. We are witnesses of what God is doing globally to bring Jewish people back to the land. And I have to, you should check out the migration patterns of the Jewish people since the Holocaust. Israel has become the homeland of the largest group of Jewish people globally. And that is incredibly important because just 80 years ago, it wasn't even close. Hmm. And so in, in less than 100 years' time, Israel has become the homeland of the largest Jewish population in the world. So that means God's at work, and we're witnesses of it. So I'm with, I'm with Mark. I don't want to set dates. But I'm just going to say, we live in interesting times. Douglas is calling from Phoenix, Arizona. Douglas, you're on the air. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I want. I had a question and a comment. The, the question was, the idea of all the di- how all the different groups, and, uh, categories, I guess, of Jews and the and the languages developed was very interesting to me, and I was wondering if um, our guest today could recommend a book about that history? That's a a really great question, a book that would help understand. Honestly, I can't think of one particular book that highlights each individual one. There is one that comes from Friends of Israel that I can think of that it it looks at Jewish culture and customs as a whole. It's called, the book is called Jewish Culture and Customs by Steve Herzig, and that one looks at uh, each individual group, the Ashkenazi the Jewish, uh, the, uh, the, the Sephardic, the languages, the culture, all of that. And he comes from an Orthodox Jewish background and became a believer in his 20s in the Lord Jesus. So it, that, you, that you can find at Friends of Israel's uh, website, foi.org. It's called Jewish Culture and Customs. Thank you, Douglas. Uh, Jane is calling from Casper, Wyoming. Jane, you're on the air. Hi. I just want to say that in 2020, we joined a church that uh, when the other churches closed up, and it was a little home church that passed out tracts. Uh, we went door to door for, you know, to pass them out uh, to try to win people to the Lord. Mm-hmm. But on the front of the track, it said anti-Zionist. Um, mm. Is that the same as anti-Semitism? Wow, that is a fantastic question, and here's the reason why, because it's actually a major debate right now. Uh, The debate is is anti-Zionism, which means I don't like Israel. Zionism is, uh, if you're a Christian and you believe Israel, uh, 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 Jewish people deserve to live in their ancient homeland called Israel, then you're a Christian Zionist. You don't even have to believe it by the Bible. As long as you're someone who believes Israel has a right to exist and Jewish people have a right to exist in their ancient homeland, you're a Zionist, you're a Christian Zionist. Um, and so that's really important. But the problem is, is that there's this awkward connection between uh, anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism, because people will say to you, oh, no, I just hate the state of Israel. I don't hate Jewish people. Well, it's a Jewish state. So how, you, you can't separate the two. And I will be honest with you, oftentimes when people uh, do rallies and things of that nature of an anti-Zionist rally, it always turns into an anti-Semitic event in some way or some form of targeting Jewish people, targeting Jewish businesses, things of that nature. So you're actually asking a really important question. Is anti-Zionism anti-Semitism? Yes, I believe it is. 
People argue differently, though. Uh, but I believe it actually always leads to anti-Semitism. Jane, thanks for calling. Philip is next in Duluth, Minnesota. Philip, you're on the air. Yes, thank you. Uh, I have two things that I'd like your guest to comment on. First, uh, any comment on uh, the phenomenon of Yav, or I should say, Rav, Yanuka, Yehuda, Shlomo. And the other thing that I find curious is Israel's wholesale uh, embrace of the vaccine. I'll uh, just okay. I'm done. Thank you, Chris. Yep. You know, I'll I'll go with the. I don't understand what he was saying for his first question. I apologize about that. But for the second question, yes, Israel did uh, embrace the vaccine. Uh, I'll I'll be honest with you. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, everyone's discretion. But th- there were also people who didn't want to get the vaccine in Israel. They had their own issues as well. Uh, uh, mainly among the more orthodox Jewish community. Um, and uh, the Muslim community as well. Uh, they did not want to receive the vaccine. Um, but, uh, again, uh, you know, you, you, you have to look at what was going on over there. Yes, Israel did adopt the, the vaccine, and they still look at it as a, as a reason for their successes. So that I'll have to let you talk to an Israeli about. Though. Okay, thank you for the call here. And uh, under 60 seconds, uh, we've run out of time for additional calls, and we apologize for that. Uh, but uh, we do want to give you information where you can obtain more uh, information on this issue. Chris's book, Israel Always, available at vcy.com, half off through the end of this month, or by calling the VCY Bookstore, one 722 4829 888-722-4829. And again, Chris, if you'd repeat that offer for the for the magazine. Oh, I would love your listeners, Jim, to call 800-257-7843. If they've never subscribed to Israel My Glory, please call and, and, and get a year-free subscription at six issues of our award-winning Christian magazine, Israel My Glory. I think you already heard a caller say it's a great magazine, and I can't agree more. And so uh, that number is 800-257-7843, and then it's israelmyglory.org forward slash subscribe online. Well, Chris, thank you. You've packed a lot into this book, and there's a lot to digest, one that we could have done multiple interviews on, but uh, thanks for putting it in print form. No problem. Thanks for having me, Jim. Great. And stay on the line for just a moment, if you would. Chris Katolka with us today from Friends of Israel Ministry. Again, they do have the radio program, the Friends of Israel Today, that airs over this network. But uh, the book today entitled Israel Always. And, uh, friend, just a reminder to be praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from BCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Tape Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208. Or download by RSS or podcast from crosstalkamerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk. Crosstalk.